Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're going to do just a little conversation with you guys today. We've done this. We usually do this about one time a year. And it's February and, you know, little hearts are flying around in the air, I guess. So it's time for us to to sit and visit with y'all just about um, marriage and relationships. And so we felt like today would be a good day to do that. So we're just going to sit here like we're in our living room and just have a conversation with y'all. Last week, I think Eugene mentioned it last Sunday, uh, this past week we had our 32nd wedding anniversary. So that's a big deal. You know, you just really go, you know, either we're getting really old because if you're going, that's, you know, three decades plus. Wow. (laughs) And so we we were talking about this week, we were talking about uh, uh, the, the message today. And so if you've got, hopefully you'll take some notes. We're going to put notes on the screen. If you're married here today, obviously, hopefully this helps you. Um, If you're not married, that's okay too. Uh, Either you hope to be married or you know people that are married. These are just going to be some nuggets, prayerfully, that's going to help y'all no matter where you're at in, in life or in marriage. And for those of you who have been around our Savior's Church very long, some of these things are going to sound familiar. You're going to, okay, I remember them saying that. And that's okay too. So we have so many new families that are here, so we wanted to make sure that we hit some of the values that, that we uh, have walked and lived by for the last many years. And this is a time, and Eugene has said it, Pastor Nick has said it in the past, um, in the past several months, just this last year, what the COVID season has been, it's spilling over into this new year and what it, it continues to be. And then you know, when you think things can't get any crazier, then, you know, like Hannah said, it felt like the apocalypse this last week and going, okay, now we're all frozen in. God's doing something and there is a shaking going on. And Eugene mm-hmm. and Pastor Nick both have, have, uh, have addressed that and said that. We have to be wise to where we understand the times in which we live. And this COVID season that continues to go on, I think if, 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 if we were really honest, it, we called it the shaking and the pruning and, and the fire and all the things that we call it. It's also been like a magnifying light that it slowed us down enough for the light of God to come and to shine on some things that we wouldn't have had time to recognize otherwise. That's Is right. that true? That's right. And whether that's in marriage, in relationships, whether that's with your children, your own personal walk with God that there are some things that God's really putting his finger on. And had we not walked through and continue to walk through the season that we're walking through, we would not have paid attention to them. And so I don't want us to just throw this off as, oh, this is a marriage message today. And this is just, you know, the annual message Pastor Eugene and Miss Heidi do and good for them. But I I want us to really pay attention to what God might be saying, though we're going to talk about some real practical things There are some things in all of our marriages that God's putting his finger on because there's a world that's outside of these doors and a culture that's outside of these doors that are desperately looking for answers. And there's marriages that are shaking and and 
breaking and going through really, really difficult times. And if we can be the representation and the light to a dark world, that's our prayer that we're able to do that. Does that make sense? And so we're going to uh, start today. We just, we just titled this message today, A Conversation with the Waitress. Okay, that, that's real spiritual, isn't it? <laughs> she was a good waitress. She was a good waitress. Our conversation with the waitress. This was two years ago. Like I said, last week we celebrated our uh, 30th, 32nd anniversary. So two years ago, for all of our math wizards, that would be 30 years um, we took a, li- and we try to take a little getaway for our anniversary just to get away for a few days. And, uh, we did that two years ago and we went to Memphis, Tennessee and we just spent kind of the weekend there and went baby and- step. Well, what do we call our little getaways? Little getaways. No, what, what do call we call them? them? We call them little getaways. Okay. What do I so, call them? I don't know. So anyway, so we went I'll away. I'll tell you what I call it. I call we, it love we went fest. Away, we went away on a little getaway for two years ago. Love fest. Okay. We just went away the other night. Love it's, fest 2021. It's not, it's not your turn to talk. Your name is not by what I'm saying right now. So, so this was so Love two, Fest. Two years ago, Eugene. 20, two 2019. Years, two Love years Fest ago. 2019. Two years ago, we went on a little anniversary getaway to Memphis, Tennessee. Love Fest. And I'm, I'm fixing to walk off the stage and let him just carry this whole thing. And we went to this restaurant. Okay, can, okay. You have totally Don't lost Don't turn control. my light off, Joe. Yes, turn his light off. Joe Arno, turn his mic off. Drag this man off the stage. We went to a restaurant. I'm trying to get real in here, lovey. We went to this restaurant, had an anniversary dinner. And the waitress comes up, and it was a nice restaurant, and it was a nice little waitress. And she wasn't super, she wasn't like a teenager, but she was probably, you know, late 20s, 30, probably. Very, very sweet girl. And so she comes up, you know, are y'all celebrating anything special? He said, yeah, this is uh, our, our, an- our wedding anniversary. Oh, how many years? 30 years. And she said, wow, that, that's, that's a long time. Okay, thank you for making us feel older than what we look like right now. And, and she just said this. She said, what's the secret to a marriage lasting that long? Because, again, in the day and age that we live, I mean, that, that is uncommon a, a lot of times. And she said, what's y'all's secret to making a marriage last that long? And Eugene, in his quick wit, said, you know what? And I forgot whatever her name was. He said, this is what we're going to do tonight. He said, every time you come back to our table and every time you bring us food or our drink or fill our water up or check on us, we're going to give you a little nugget of what we've learned along the way in 30 years because she said I'm not married yet but one day I hope to be married so I really want to learn what I can before I get married and we said okay so Eugene told her that so that's what we did so the whole night with the with the meal and the meal turned into be quite a lengthy meal (laughs) just because she was really she was so absorbent to everything that we were saying so we were like on a roll going okay we're gonna we're gonna ride this thing out she was better than most of our church folk here she was like yeah yeah so she was very eager so she was very eager anyway it was just sweet and then we just kind of you know went went for it and so then as we were talking about this message today we said you know what 
let's just sit down and let's everything we told that waitress, we're gonna tell the church. And whatever y'all can use, hopefully you can use it. And uh, just some nuggets, again, that we've learned along the way. So is that good for y'all? Is that fine? Mm -hmm. Okay, so number one, this is the very first thing we told her. And I, we don't know if she was a Christian, a believer. We, 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 I don't, we don't know. But the very first thing we told her, we said, number one is this, God has to be at the center of your marriage. It, he has to be. In order for your marriage to last, in order for it to be, you don't want to just say you had a, a, a 50 plus year marriage or a 70 plus year marriage and you just, uh, you just hung on and you made it and you drug each other across the finish line. That's, that shouldn't be our goal. Our goal should be, not only should be our goal and our hope to have a long, healthy marriage, but to, it to be a loving and healthy and good that you enjoyed it along the way. And that God, in order for that to happen, God has to be at the center. He has to be. There's, there's no other way around it. God, you can't put God on the shelf and just pull him out on a Sunday when you come to church. He has to be at the center of everything that you do. There's a, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes, and it says this in chapter 4. And these are familiar verses, 11, verses 11 and 12. It says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one stay warm alone? A person standing alone, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And it speaks about the power of two, that we're not to walk alone. There's the power of two. But when you bring the third in, which represents God, that, that is a cord, a three-cord a three strain that cannot be broken. And that's everything from prayer together to the, the, the Word of God. That is attending church. That's being here at church together with your family, your spouse, and going, no matter what the days hold, no matter what the culture brings us, we are going to make God a priority in our marriage because there is no other way for our marriages to grow and to flourish unless God is at the center of it. Amen? So that was the first thing we told her. Yeah. Howdy, Lynn. Go ahead. No, no, go, go. So when Wendy the waitress came back, we'll call her Wendy. Wendy the waitress came back and we, uh, we told her, both spouses must become professional forgivers. You just gotta keep forgiving. In fact, forgiving, the word forgiving is for giving. It's, it's repenting uh, to, I'll teach you, and I've taught you this before, but I'll teach you the seven most powerful words in marriage. Husbands, please write this down. Ready? Seven most powerful words. This will keep you uh, lying next to each other, keeping warm at night. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? professional askers for forgiveness and professional forgivers to release it and to let it go. It's interesting that when we go to God the Father to ask for forgiveness, the scripture says, how long does it take God to forgive you? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, Lord, please forgive me, I'm so sorry. Not how long does it take you to feel forgiven, but how long does it take God to actually forgive you? He said, if you'll repent of your sins, if you'll turn from your way, repent that he will forgive you and he'll take your sin and cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, which I don't believe, this is my opinion, it doesn't mean that God doesn't 
remember your sin. It does say he will remember it no more. I think what it means is he refuses to use your pa- <clears throat> excuse me, your past against you. And so as a married couple, there's going to be plenty of times and opportunities. All those who are married should say amen right now for you to ask for forgiveness and to give it freely. God says, I'll forgive you instantly. We should act like God in forgiving one another. The enemy is the reminder of sin. So he'll always bring it back up again what one of the other spouses has done in the past. And you can't let that happen. When something has been repented of and forgiven, you have to let it go and never bring it back up again. Because if you do, you're not acting like God, you're acting like the devil. He's the one who brings it back up again. And so forgiveness is so important. Let me give you a couple of scriptures, Ephesians 4 and 32. Instead, the scripture tells us to be kind to each other. Do we need this scripture for today? Uh, Just be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It should never be when Heidi has that two times in 32 years she's repented to me. It's usually me repenting to her. That's not true. No, you've, the only two times you've had to repent to me. Oh, but now I've had to do more than that. That's gracious. Go ahead. I've had to repent more than that. I want the love fest to continue, so I'm I'm being real sweet. Here's, here's when the scripture says, be, do not judge, you know, do not judge. Well, the scripture doesn't just say that. It says whatever way you measure it, it will be measured back to you. So you, you don't want to be judged. So you forgive easily. Forgive easily. Once, if Heidi says, I'm sorry, baby, would you please forgive me? I forgive you, baby. And we're not going to bring that up again. And the many times that I've had to repent to her over the years, babe, I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? And she says, I forgive you. I love you. And we make up. And so uh, I think you have to, both spouses have to become professional repenters or forgivers of one another. And then number, let me give you number three. When Wendy the waitress came by again, we said, you got to relinquish the right to change your spouse. I always thought it was interesting that when a man marries a woman, he marries her hoping she will never change. And all she does is change. The day you marry her, she's a different woman than she was. She was out in the hunting blind with you when you were dating. But once you get married, she ain't going out there no more. Why do they do that to us? And then they, all they do is change. This is not the same woman that I married 32 years ago. She is not the same. She keeps changing. And you don't want the one that was 32 years ago. No, no, I don't. I want this one. She, she just keeps changing. And then, you know, then they, as we get older, we get older, you go through menopause and menopause and everything else. And you go, who is this woman? I meant that in a good way, baby. Okay. 
Hey, there is no good way to say that, but go ahead. <laughs> you know, we just need to close in prayer. Victor, would you come? So, and then a woman marries a man hoping he will change, and he doesn't much. Isn't that crazy? So when you go, you gotta just relinquish the right. My job is not to change her. My job is to go to God and continue to grow myself. And if you, if you really wanna change your wife, I'll give you, I'll, if you go, I, I, just, I just wanna get me a new one. I'll, I'll tell you how to do it. You become a new man. If you'll become a new man, she'll respond to that. It, it's how God made us. He made us the initiators, the men. We initiate things and women respond to it. I don't have to draw any pictures, right? Even when it comes to intimacy, usually the man initiates and the woman responds. And so God made us like that. And so if, if, if you can't change her, you've gotta just take ownership of you and there's been many times I've called out to the Lord, Lord, Heidi, she needs to. And then the Lord doesn't ever talk to me about her. He talks to me about me. And he says, if you will, and then watch her, initi her respond to the initiation, and then God's done a work in both of our lives. And so you have to give up the right to change your spouse, take responsibility for your own walk with God, and through that, doing right by her, it'll cause her to change too. And so when you, when you change, you're really changing both of you, because you're really one flesh. Do y'all receive that this morning? Yeah, and, and if I could just say one more thing, love, I just sure. one more thought. You know, when we've counseled many through, through 32 years of ministry as well, and, and to sit on a couch with, with a couple and them to say, well, he's not, and then he'll go, well, she's not, and to, to blame one another instead of taking responsibility, they think, well, because they did this, you know, I, I'm going, I, one, both of them end up not obeying God. And you have to decide, I'm gonna do right by God and my spouse, regardless of how they respond back or not. And you have to do what's right. You gotta have the smile of God over your own life as a husband or as a wife, if that makes sense. Yeah, and we always, just to add on to that, we always, as we've talked with couples over all the years, we'll say, what, what, are, what are you guilty of? What are you gonna take ownership of? Because until both people are willing to take ownership of where we've fallen short, then things are never able to move forward in the way that they need to, so. Very good. Yeah, very good. Okay, number four is this. Uh, our conversation with our waitress continued and we told her this. We said there's no secrets kept in a good, healthy marriage. There are no secrets kept in a good, healthy marriage. Now, we didn't say there are no secrets kept in marriage. We said there are no secrets kept in a good, healthy marriage. Because trust can only be built when both people are totally and completely honest with one another. That's the only way trust. And your marriage is built upon trust. And then if trust is broken, then there's got to be repentance. There's got to be forgiveness. And then trust has got to be rebuilt but it can only be built or rebuilt when both people are totally open and honest with one another. 
And we live in a day and age now to where with technology, there's like the world that we live in and then there's like the world out in the, in the stratosphere of all the technology and all the stuff. And there's, there's a tiny fraction of what I know is possible because neither one of us are high tech. And then there's the possibility of what everybody else knows because they know what is possible. And in a good, healthy marriage, you cannot keep secrets from your spouse. You just, you, can you do it? Of course you can. But you're not going to have a good, healthy, growing, flourishing, loving marriage. You're just, you're just not. And, 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 a, and a, simple, a, a simple example of this is um, our, our phones. Eugene, at any time, he knows the code to my phone. He knows how to get into my phone. He can pick my phone up at any time, look through anything he wants to look through. Pictures, emails, text messages, whatever. There's nothing that's off limits to him. And vice versa. I have the code to his phone. There's nothing off limits to me in his phone. Because we cannot build a good, healthy, flourishing marriage if there's secrets kept or if there's suspicion that's there. Now, there are, when there's deep, deep secrets and deep hidden things, there's counseling that's available. There's our freedom groups. There's, I mean, we're not going to get into that today. But I'm just talking about just, we're just talking about just secrets in general. That there, there's a verse that says this so well, and it's actually the words of Jesus that says this. It's in Mark chapter, 20, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 22. And this is Jesus speaking. Jesus, the Son of God, is saying this. He says, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. That secrets kept... We think we're keeping secrets from God, but we're really not keeping... There's no secret that God doesn't know. And we think we're keeping secrets from other people, and we think we're keeping secrets from our spouse. And when we think that way, the enemy has deceived us because we all know that secrets kept from, from other people and from God will eat us up from the inside out. It'll just eat you up. And then, when we're in the marriage context, it drives a wedge farther and farther and farther away from your spouse because you know the closer you get to one another as husband and wife, the more God's going to bring to light what the Word just says, bring to light everything that is in the dark. And, and, we, and we shared this with her and just said, we live in a day and an age to where, again, because of technology, there, and, and y'all have seen all the 2020 or the 60-minute programs on TV where people are leaving, living a totally separate life. They're living a whole individual life in this other world, keeping it from, and, and just going, in order to have a marriage, we have got to not only allow but welcome the light of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Lord, the presence of God to shine a light on anything that may be dark within us, anything that we may have given, and that we walk in truth, we walk in honesty, we walk in light, that's when the blessing of God comes and will bless and shine on a relationship and a marriage is what we said in worship when we surrender it to him and go, there is no part in me, God, that you cannot shine a light on. Mm -hmm. And when we allow him to do that, 
then we're opening ourselves up to our spouse to where there is total and complete trust built in that relationship. Because if not, if trust is not that foundation, God trust is not that foundation, then anything built on it is not going to be able to be built to last. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So no secrets, no secrets, captains. And there may be some of you that need to go home today and you need to go home and have a conversation and you need to go home and make some commitments to one another and go, here's my phone and here's the password and I'm not going to keep it from you anymore because I love you enough that I want you to trust me and I want to trust you and we want to build a marriage that's going to glorify and honor God to a world that's looking for answers. Mm -hmm. Amen. So good, baby. Okay, we're going we're gonna to hurry through since we got to yeah. hurry. So yeah. Wendy comes back and said, yeah. number five, no keeping score. No keeping score. First Corinthians 13 and five says, love, it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record. It keeps no record. There is no record of wrong. And I'm gonna say, or rights. I'm gonna add to it. No record of wrong or rights. And that just simply meant, meant that we're not in competition with one another. Uh, she did something wrong, so I'm gonna do something wrong. She, did some, she got to do something, so I get to do something. Look, I, I want her to win. She wants me to win. And let's just not ever keep score with one another. You, got, you bought a dress, so I'm buying a shotgun. That's a pretty good trade, isn't it? Let's don't keep a record like that uh, uh, at all. Let's, let's make sure we want each other to win and to, uh, uh, you did go to your sister's last couple weeks ago and I am going hunting this week. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but we're not keeping record. Okay, here we go. Number I'm, I'm, I wasn't six. keeping the record. <laughs> Number six. Number six, uh, your marriage must take priority above all other human relationships. Marriage, your marriage must take priority above all other human relationships. And remember, God is your number one top priority, should be the center of it all. But when it comes to other human relationships, there shouldn't be other relationships that are higher priority than your spouse, than your mate. In Genesis chapter uh, 2, verse 24, it says this, it says, uh, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. That when you're married, you leave family, you're united into one. It doesn't mean that you don't love and don't prioritize your family or your friends or your children. They just should not be top priority above your spouse. And I know this as to be true and especially women, especially wives, especially mamas, there, when those babies come on the scene, all of a sudden, not intentionally, but husband can get to the side, babies come into the forefront, and those babies are in your house a long time. And that if we're not careful, those children can become priority because they are needy and they need our attention and they need our tending to and our nurturing. And we're thrilled. That's part of why God created us. We just have to make sure that we are purposely putting this relationship above all other human relationships. And so the question I want to ask today is, would your spouse say that they are top priority to you? If your spouse, whether it's husband or wife, were, were to be asked a question, would they say, yes, I know that I'm priority in their life? Would they be able to say that? And if not, what do you need to do to change that? Because there's going to come a time when those babies leave your house. And you're going to be faced, and you've heard us say this, 
to, you're going to be face looking at one another and going, okay, excuse me, who are you and what is your name? Because if we've poured our life into our kids and we've disregarded our mate, then when the kids leave home, then you've got a marriage that's got to be tended to and sometimes repaired because of what's happened along the way. You don't wait to prepare for empty nest when, you're, when, you're, when your nest is empty. You prepare for ne- empty nest when your children are home so that you're already working on it so that when they do leave home, you don't crash and burn, but you keep rolling right along because you've made this priority all along the way. Amen? Amen. Yeah. You look forward to it. You go, yeah, yeah you go, I can't wait till the kids leave. Yeah. Yes. There's a wise man in our church who told me, he said, Pastor, you, who was empty nesters before we were, and he said, here's what's going to happen. When you, if you do it right, Pastor, you, if you do it right, he said, you'll have more money than you've ever had, because kids cost you money. You have more money than you ever had. You have more time than you've ever had, and you're going to have more intimacy than you've ever had, if you do it right. And it is true that you could have a honeymoon when all those kids leave. You can just go, y'all going out of here. We celebrate. Can I get a witness in the house? Is there any empty nesters? Number seven. No. We're running out of okay. time. I was on love fest. Here we go. Number seven. I don't know why I got this one. Communication <laughs> is vital. Because I want to hear what you have to say about it. <laughs> okay. Man, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you ladies. Communication is not our deal, right? Amen. How was your day? Good. What happened today? That was great. Okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to bear my soul, right? Everybody kept telling me communication is vital, communication vital. The way you get to her heart is by talking to her. The way she feels close to you is through conversation. You got a dialogue. And so, a long time ago, I forget which friend of mine or a pastor friend, I don't even remember who, I owe him a debt of gratitude, but he said, you you just have to, it's a discipline. You just got to get disciplined. And so, back in our early days when kids were small, she's having, you know, two-year-old conversation. No, get off that, stop. She's having that conversation all day. So, I started taking notes of my day. Because when I got home, she'd go, tell me about your day. And, you know, men, you'd go, well, it was good. And, you know, I met them and everything's good. You know, I started writing down notes with a note card so that when I could look over it before I got home so I could talk to her. Right? Because you didn't want to talk. You, you got all your words out at work. And she's got like, I forget the amount of words a woman needs to speak every day to feel fulfilled. It's a bunch. (laughs) Ours is like seven. If we say seven, we're good. And so um, ours is like seventy thousand. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And and then so that was early on. And then as the kids got a little older, then we started doing date night. And I would let her talk about anything she wanted. She just whatever. And just learned. You just got to discipline to say things like this, really? <laughs> then what happened? And then I just wanted to tell you, and then she'd just keep going and go, wow. And then how did that make you feel? 
Oh, I just felt like, and then she'd go on and go, whoa, is there anything else? You just get her rolling. And at the end of the dinner, she's like, oh, that was so good. I go, I, I feel so close to you right now. And I was like, man, every time we went on a date night and I got her talking, it usually ended up somewhere else. You know what I mean? I'm going to do this again. But it was the date night knowing there was special time. And then she would save up. She would save up the conversation for the date night. Because she knew that night she had my full attention. Put the phones away and just look into her eyes and go, then what happened? And it's funny, and I'm not being funny about this. I'm not, this is not a jab. But it's funny that along the way and the older we've gotten, it's almost like the tables haven't turned, but the tables have become equal. You're not, you're not sitting there going, oh my, okay. No. I'm, I'm, it's starting to, it's because you, because the you discipline, made a discipline, then. The discipline has become a delight. Right, but I'm saying, right, right, you're right. Totally right. But I'm saying even with you now, even communication has gotten easier with you to where I'm not feeling like I'm having to drag it out of you. I feel so like, close to you like right those, now. Oh, stop. Stop. I'm just saying in those early days. Okay, whatever. That was for Number you, eight. <laughs> Number eight. And number eight. Victor, hurry. Oh, it's mine. It's yours. Go. Divorce is never an option. <laughs> Divorce is, look, let me show you Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold. It unlocks the door to your house, to the devil. So don't let it go down. That means you're going to settle it before the sun goes down. How many of you know that's kept us up to about 2 or 3 in the morning at times? Still working it out. But we're not going to let it. We're not going to let it go into the next day. And I would say to you, divorce is not an option. That sounds just a little cliche. Divorce is not an option. But I want you to picture it this way: when you stood up at that altar in that church or at the destination wedding or whatever, and you stood before a pastor who represented God in that three-chord strand, right? You made a covenant to God. You said. To God, better, worse, richer, poorer, sickness, health, till death do us part. And you got to, sometimes you got to, you got to man up. There'll be, there'll be seasons where she'll, I'm cutting him off. You just got to man up and you got to work through that season. You got to work through the anger. If you got to get help. You got to get help, but you got to work through it because you made a covenant before God, a covenant before God. He entered into that covenant with you and he said, I'll help you. I'll, I'll, if you'll invite me in, I'll help you. And so divorce is not an option. Number and, nine. And we say this, I'm going to tag on that. We, we say this often. This may not be your first marriage that you're in. And you may have done, and, and there's the grace of God, there's the forgiveness of God. 
But if this isn't your first marriage, we, we often say, just make sure this one's your last one. And, 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 and take a chance to do it the right way with God in the center. We've already talked about that. Number nine is this. We said, we told her this. We said, have hobbies that you do together. We all should have hobbies that we do separately. And we, girls do their things and we like to do things. And guys do their things that they like to do. Just make sure that y'all, you've got some hobbies that you do together. And that's going to take time and effort and energy. Because again, one day the kids are going to be out of the house. And it's going to be the two of you. Or you may, it may be the two of you now. And you find that you don't have anything in common. Because you never took the time to really find something that interests both of you that you could do together. So making sure that you have hobbies you do together, number nine. And then number ten is this. The last thing we told her. We said, make sure in a marriage, make sure that you dream about the future together. Dreaming about the future together. Sometimes in a marriage, it's just, it's so easy to say it, stay in today because of all the day's worries that we have just today. It's just making it through the day. If we can just make it through this week, if we can just make it through the next few weeks. And with all the pressures and all the worries and concerns that this world brings, make sure you take time to sit down with one another and dream about the future. What do you want the future to look like, the two of you? What do you want your marriage to look like in five years or 10 years? What do you have hope to accomplish mm -hmm. in the next few years? There's a verse in Jeremiah 29, 11 that's so, so familiar and we all know it and we've all read it and claimed it in our lives. And it says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And we take that verse and we receive it for ourselves or we receive it for someone else or we believe it for our children. How many times have we taken that verse and applied it to a marriage and to go, God knows the plans he has for us as a married couple. He knows the hope and the future that he wants to give us as a married couple. And to sit down and really make that a matter of prayer and really ask God, God, what, what do you see for us in the next few years? What do you want our future to look like? Because life is lived in seasons and seasons change and you're not going to always be in the season that you're at now. And that can be something that's an enjoyable conversation, something that can be exciting and fun, but yet something that God really comes and breathes on and lets you to start beginning to dream again. Because I think one thing that's happened in this world and culture that we live in is that our dreams have been squelched by the, the news every night, by what's happening in our world, and that we don't mm -hmm. give ourselves permission because the future, according to the world, is so dark and bleak and horrible that we don't even want to think about the future because we're scared of what it's going to look like. That's right. And to go, no, there is a future ahead of us. Yes. God's got plans and dreams and hopes and yes. futures ahead of us. Yes. And our days ahead are going to be better than our days behind. Yes, Lord. And there's a future that we can look forward to and pray over and be excited about and even look at it as a married couple and begin to dream mm. about what the future holds for us mm. and what God has planned for us. So make sure you do that. Ten. You're That's so it. good, baby. No, go, baby, go. You are so good. Okay, go. Go. Oh, my goodness, baby. Please. I was being very serious. And that was and very you good. Just, no, it's, you just we, we just messed it up. We were at a restaurant, anniversary restaurant, 32 years. We were at a restaurant, and Heidi asked a question. 
What are you excited about? And we just start talking about the future. What's the possibilities? What could happen? God breathed on it. And just started getting real excited about this next season of our life. And don't, don't waste away a season. Don't wish away a season that you are in. But you ought to get off the grid with your girl and say, baby, what's exciting to you? What, what does it look like? What are you seeing? Oneness. This is one. We're not two. This is not two people up here. It's one person up here. It's one. It's oneness. And so God's in the middle of it. And we want you to have that too. You got to work at it. You got to say a lot of, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? You got to work it out. But if you'll get through the difficult parts, on the other side of that, every time you go through one, you're going to get closer and closer and closer together till one day you'll just go like, you, you know what each other's thinking. I, we still do it all the time. I go, babe, where do you want to eat? I still ask the question. And she'll go, Anywhere. It doesn't matter, anywhere. And I'll say, okay, we're going to go to, and I'll name the restaurant, and she'll say, oh, not there. <laughs> Wait, you just said anywhere. Or there, I, I, there's times she goes, where do you want to eat? And I'll say, I know where we're going. I know where you want to go. And she'll go, where? i say, you want Mexican food. How did you know? Because we're one. <laughs> we're one. Lord, we pray over these marriages, Father, and the future marriages that are sitting in this room, that, Father, you would breathe on it. You said in Ephesians 5, the apostle Paul wrote that the marriage was a mystery and was a reflection of how Christ loved the church and the church loved the Christ. Father, I pray in a dark world that we're living in that a godly marriage will be a testimony to the world. It will be like light in darkness of how a husband loves his wife and a wife respects her husband. It will stick out like a sore thumb and you'll be preaching to the world without saying a word. Father, I pray that we can't get it right out there until we get it right in here. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us for our selfishness. I pray over the husbands. Forgive us for our selfishness, loving ourselves more than we love our girl. Forgive us. And Father, may we turn the turret to, towards them, the, our, our girl, to cherish, to honor, to tend to, to look after, to love. Father, I pray for our wives. God, that they would turn, respect their husbands. Lord, that you would do a miracle in our relationships. We surrender to you. Thank you for your word. We receive it today. May it bear incredible fruit in Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray. If you're here today, maybe you're lost. Again, the Apostle Paul used the marriage as a type and shadow, as a metaphor for what it was like to be in love with Christ. He is the husbandman. 
He's the one who sacrificed his life for you, gave it up on a cross so that you could be forgiven of all your sins. So you could say, I'm sorry, I repent. Will you please forgive me? And he'll take your sin and he'll throw it in the sea of forgetfulness and remember it no more. And maybe you're here today and you're not right with God and you need to repent. You need to make things right with God. And he's here today to forgive you. It's as easy as A, B, C. Admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Christ came to pay this uh, for your sin, your guilt, and your shame by dying on a cross. And then C, confess him as the Lord and Savior. If that's you today, I want to pray with you. Christians, would you pray and say, I'm ready today to be born again, to give my life to Jesus, to surrender it all to him. I want to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand up high all over the room? I'm ready today, Pastor Jake, Pastor you. I see your hands. Thank you. Hands are going up all over the room. Thank you, sir. I see it. Congregation, can we add our voice to theirs? Would you pray this and mean it from your heart? Say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me. I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Would you come into my heart and be the Lord of my life? I surrender all to you today. I believe you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead so I wouldn't have to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God all the praise for that?